Zonky. Siphonophore. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is AI News. This is from Newsweek. <laughs> the headline reads, Artificial intelligence that can evolve on its own is being tested by Google scientists. That sounds like Skynet. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. It's a scary headline, but a cool article, hopefully. Uh, computer scientists working for a high-tech division of Google. I, <laughs> is okay. there a division that's not, not high-tech, high-tech yeah, a like, low-tech Google There's division? like a section of Google, which is like a bunch of cavemen like hitting <laughs> stones on other stones just to see what happens. Anyway, uh, they're testing how machine learning algorithms can be created from scratch, then evolve naturally based on simple math. Ex- experts behind Google's AutoML... I think ML just stands for machine learning. A suite of artificial intelligence tools have now showcased fresh research, which suggests the existing software could potentially be updated to automatically discover completely unknown algorithms while also reducing human bias during the data input process. Um, Probably doesn't really bear repeating, but I'm going to say it anyway. Machine learning tools are trained to find patterns in vast amounts of data while automating such processes and constantly being refined based on past experience. We've talked about machine learning before. Yep. Hopefully we yep, don't yep. need to get into it. Hopefully you've been listening for a while. Otherwise you've got to go learn for yourself. Um, <laughs> but researchers say that this comes with drawbacks that the software, which they're calling AutoML0, cool I guess, okay. uh, aims to fix namely the introduction of human bias of the data chosen for training. AutoML0 is designed to create a population of 100 candidate algorithms by combining basic random math, then testing the results on simple tasks such as image differentiation. The, be- uh, the best-performing algorithms then evolve by randomly changing their own code. <laughs> so it's a kind of a lot like how actual evolution works in that like small bits of... Oh, like, well, yep. genomes i guess not code for people but you know small bits of those of dna change and then those mutations are either improve fitness or decrease it and that's how evolution happens over a long term yeah 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 i feel like i've heard about this before with with like algorithms yeah it's possible for sure i I also got two years ago maybe we had something that was related to this yeah like that's the great thing about having done this for like however almost two years now yeah Uh, we're almost at the two-year point there's probably stuff we talked about two years ago it's like i've forgotten so i'll talk about it again i have this vague memory of like hearing about that before like how it's like close to like the natural selection or natural mutation type of pattern with an algorithm. Right. Maybe I just read it. I don't know. That yeah. is, that's fascinating. It's so cool, though. Uh, the results, which will be variants of the most successful algorithms, then get added to the general population, and as older and less successful algorithms eventually get left behind, uh, and the process continues to repeat. And so basically you just continue. It's mm-hmm. like continuously refining itself by random evolution, essentially. Um And one intriguing aspect of the study is that this process rediscovered some of the neural network algorithms that we already know and use. So, like, from these base components, like, by letting it train itself, it eventually found things that we've discovered ourselves. But, like, with, but it did it with no human input. Wow. Past, like, like that initial seeding of the algorithm. So, that's cool. 
like yeah I <laughs> that part that part especially was like that's really cool we've taught yeah. computers to learn uh-oh but also <laughs> super cool that's so cool i don't know I'm honestly not afraid of that at all. It's I'm cool. Also, I'm, I, I mean, I, when I'm saying it's Sky, like Skynet, I'm kind of joking. Like, yeah, it's no, just I'm, cool. I'm not really worried about it. We're not anywhere near no. that level of technology yet. No, not even close. We're nowhere near that level yeah. of technology. I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see Skynet in our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I, I just, it's just not. It's just nowhere near that level of yeah. autonomy. Right. The stuff. But. So. Well, we know that because we're like kind of in the tech industry, but right. like <laughs> the average person reading <laughs> that is not going to necessarily. Well, especially with that uh, with that headline, it's a little yeah, it's a little misleading, probably. But yeah, right. ha- working with computers day in and day out, they're not that smart. <laughs> they're not, really not. We don't they have to break worry. so easily. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> you guys, computers break so easily. <laughs> Their lifespan is like four years, and then they're just like done. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, my first story is animal news. This is from NewScientist.com. The headline is, Bats can learn to copy sounds and it may teach us about human speech. Oh. According to a recent study published in Biology Letters, bats can learn to mimic specific sounds, which puts them into an elite group of animals capable of this skill. The ability to imitate specific sounds called vocal production learning is rare in the animal kingdom. Humans are capable of it, as are some bird species, as well as seals, dolphins, whales, and elephants. Um, I think we've probably talked about some birds or some other things that can do this in the past, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I don't remember what we have talked about. (laughs) Again, it's just, it's been too long It's been so long. (laughs) Uh, So this research team trained six adult pale spear-nosed bats, which I don't know what type of bat that is, but a pale spear-nosed bat. So they're pale and they have a pointy nose. I guess. Uh, they taught them to imitate their own calls by bribing them. <laughs> I'll explain. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> by bribing them with food if they repeated the sound. The bats were placed in a mini recording studio <laughs> equipped with loudspeakers, microphones, and remote-controlled feeding devices that delivered them rewards. Yeah, the uh, and they had like headphones yeah. on them and everything. Of no, course, <laughs> recording the next hit bat it's like, song. Like a, yeah. It's like no, all no, the no, equipment. No, 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 they like no, make no, it no. like a like there's like a booth with like a window. Yeah. Um, the researchers recorded the bats' calls, then manipulated the recordings to lower the frequency of the sounds. The bats were then repeatedly exposed to different sounds with like different levels of these like edited frequencies and then rewarded with mashed bananas whenever they imitated a sound correctly. That's all it takes to get me to imitate a sound. Give me some of that mashed nanner. Mm -hmm. So within 30 days, all six bats in the experiment had learned to lower the frequency of their calls to imitate the recorded sounds to get the rewards. So it's pretty a pretty simple test, but sure. they're gonna they're gonna now move it and make it more complex. Hey, that so. sound you're making, can you make it lower? Thanks. <laughs> Here's the um, Vocal production learning is important for speech, and so studying it in other mammals like bats could provide clues as to how it developed in humans. The team's next step will be to investigate whether the adult bats that learn to mimic low frequency calls are also able to learn more complex sounds or sound patterns. Um, but they noted that they probably won't be able to imitate anything like human speech or like as complicated as that because they don't have the right physiology to produce the sounds for that. 
so they just can't. But right. yeah. apparently even this frequency change imitation is indicative of that, like, they have that skill. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's yeah. significant. Or at least, like, the capability for learning, mm-hmm. like, how to produce other sounds, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Learning for bats. My next story is Space News. This is from Yahoo News. Cigar-shaped interstellar trespasser may be fragment of wrecked planet. Whoa. Yeah. A reddish-colored cigar-shaped interstellar object called Oumuamua. I think I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) I have no idea. It starts with an apostrophe, so I don't know how that influences the pronunciation. Um, This Oumuamua is tumbling through our solar system, and it may be wreckage from a planet ripped apart when it came too close to the faraway star it once orbited, according to researchers. Hmm. Scientists have been puzzled by the origin and nature of Oumuamua since its discovery in 2017. There's even been some, like articles about how they some people think it's a as alien spacecraft but it's obviously not so stop um, <laughs> um <laughs> i'd love to be proven wrong but just, it's not like I'm just imagining, well, I, I have comments but i'll wait till you're okay. done <laughs> Oumuamua, the first object from another star system found passing through our solar system which i have trouble believing that seems like Surely something else has come through here. I don't know. I guess we're really small in the grand scheme of things. Hmm. Anyway, it's about a quarter mile long. Uh, it's elongated shape, curious motion, and dry appearance. Um, they say this because it doesn't have a tail of dust and gases, which a lot of like comets and stuff, like icy bodies would have. It doesn't seem to have that. Hmm. Uh, this indicates it's not an ordinary comet or asteroid. Astronomers Yun Zhang and Doug Lin in research published this week, said computer simulations indicated it was likely a remnant of a planet or planetary building block annihilated by a star's tidal forces. I love when the word, like, annihilated is just thrown in. Um, When a smaller body passes near a much bigger one, tidal forces exerted by the larger body can shred the smaller one. This is what happened when a comet called Shoemaker-Levy-9... Uh, I guess it's just two people's names and the and the number nine. Uh, <laughs> it journeyed too close to the planet Jupiter in 1992, and we apparently observed a similar phenomenon where it just got ripped to shreds due to the like massive difference in gravitational forces. Hmm. Uh, similar to the ocean tides on Earth, which result from the gravitational pulls of the sun and the moon, in, a, in space, a planetary body that comes close enough to a star is subjected to the strong gravitational pulls of that star. Makes sense. Uh, the planet's near and far parts would be separated into pieces, forming an elongated band of wreckage, with some fragments then fusing together to form objects shaped like a muamua. Basically, that's what their study is postulating, is that its shape is like consistent with that kind of tearing of a oh. planet in half, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but how do they know what... Is this math? Is it just math? It's got to be math. It's got to be math. I don't know. They're astronomers. I won't question. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it says they're astronomers. I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust them on that one. Yeah, it's probably math. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't ask me to do math, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Not live math. Anything but that. Uh, So 
can I say what I was going to say earlier? Absolutely, yes. Okay, so first of all, I just wanted to, to laugh with you about the fact that they chose to describe it as a cigar-shaped object <laughs> instead of like a cylinder or just like something generic. Right. I don't know. Like, why did they pick it's like a cigar? Like, what? Maybe it's like a little bit narrower on one end or something. Like, kind of okay. like, like, I don't know. It's a narrow cylinder. I don't know. <laughs> that just made me laugh for no, some reason. Is, this is fair. And then the second thing is like... <laughs> I'm just imagining an alien civilization designing a spaceship that is that shape and just tumbling through space. <laughs> See, when I when when they mentioned alien spacecraft in the article, I was picturing just like for some reason it was much smaller in my mind, and I was just picturing like a bunch of aliens just straddling it like a like a like a horse and just like riding it through space, <laughs> like a mechanical bull, like just like. A- <laughs> They said it was like tumbling, right? Yeah. Did they say that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, would, it would be a really difficult mechanical bowl to stay <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, just that's, it's just very it's funny to me. That's it's how. Yeah, delightful visual. Obviously, it's not an alien space. <laughs> it's not. Like, can we not, can we not publish those articles? Yeah. Like, people, people's imagination is just going to run away with them. And next thing you know, they're going to be thinking about aliens on a mechanical bowl. Yeah, and then, like, what good will come of that, you know? Nothing. (laughs) My next story is entertainment news. This is from NewYorkPost.com. The headline is, John Krasinski scores health workers free AT&T and lifetime Red Sox tickets. What an interesting combination of things. I know. Um... So first of all, some background, John Krasinski has started a YouTube channel, um, I think a couple of weeks ago he started it, and it's called Some Good News. Have you seen this? I have seen one clip of it, and that is when the entire cast, the entire original Broadway cast of Hamilton performed Alexander Hamilton (laughs) over Zoom, which was insanely good. It was so good. It was amazing, and everyone should watch that. It's I can't, I, I can't get over how like incredible it was. <laughs> I saw that clip today. Well, uh-huh. I actually watched like that section of the YouTube episode. Well, because I this story was about this. Mm-hmm. I went and I looked it up of like what the channel is, and I watched some of the stuff. And that episode was amazing. I mean, it was like this 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 girl that like she couldn't go see Hamilton because of the pandemic, right? And it was like something on Twitter, and so they like got on this Zoom episode, and they didn't tell her that that was happening. Oh yeah, no, and she it was, was just a surprise. Totally, she was caught totally off guard, and it was just like I didn't know it was going to happen either because I just was like watching his stuff, and it was just like oh my gosh, it's Lin Manuel Miranda, and it's like oh, it's the whole cast <laughs> oh, of it's Hamilton, literally <laughs> everyone from the original Broadway cast. So, so um, yeah, oh, so, so good, I actually subscribed to his thing because it's very delightful to watch. So like, I know it's, it's called some good news, but it's a little less of like a news update and more of like a happy, here's, here's things, some good things. Yeah. Like here's some things cheer you up and... from social media. Like he shows like funny videos of like what people are doing at home and like, yeah, it's just kind of like a cheer you up type of YouTube show. Um, so anyway, it's, it's very delightful. I would recommend watching it. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> in his most recent episode, um, he was like highlighting, you know, healthcare workers and, um, you know, obviously like they're doing a good job. They're out there on the front lines of this stuff. Um, 
So it was his like official third episode of his Some Good News show that aired on this past Sunday. Um, he gave, um, I guess, everyone in the U.S. that's a healthcare worker, like certain healthcare workers, free cell phone service from AT&T. Like he got them like a free plan that they can redeem somehow. That's and then, wild. And that's a also, lot of <laughs> he had a special guest, David Ortiz. <laughs> okay. And then um, for some hospital workers in Boston, they got lifetime Red Sox tickets, which is just like amazing. Like, how are, how are you doing this? I'm like, John Krasinski, like, oh my God. He's like, he's like making these like super, super awesome things happen for people. And it's just that's, really fun to watch. That's great. So, yeah. And he, I guess he's going to just keep doing this on like a, weekly or bi-weekly basis and it's like all these celebrities are on it like yeah you know like even like the one i don't know the one clip i watched like randomly like robert de niro was just like in it for like a few seconds like <laughs> just it's just also like, there <laughs> yeah, like, celebrities they're stuck at home just like us like, <laughs> i don't know it was just it was fun so no, that's really cool I, I i love to see when somebody who has that kind of reach and that like ability to have an audience, but also has contacts in high places, like yeah. uses that for like the betterment of society. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. That's even if that's yeah. like just cheering people up or making some people's lives easier. It's like, I love that kind of thing. Yeah, me too. And just like, he seems like such a great person. Like he's, yeah. because <laughs> he, does. he's doing he seems this, like a generally, know? generally wonderful person. Yep. His wife is also really funny. Yeah, also his wife Emily is, in it is in, amazing. She was in that episode with the Hamilton stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the kid was apparently also a fan of uh the new Mary the new, Poppins. Mm-hmm. Which the also new... had Lynn Manuel Miranda. Uh, yes, yeah. So a lot of connections there. <laughs> right, right, right. But my next story is Animal News. <laughs> this is from the New York Times. This might be the longest creature ever seen in the ocean. Whoa, yeah. the sea monster? It's, I mean, you'll see. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't call it a sea monster. Uh, Dr. Nerida Wilson and her colleagues at the Western Australian Museum were off the coast of Western Australia when they spotted an approximately 150-foot-long siphonophore with the help of Subbastion, a remotely piloted deep-sea robot. It's a pun on submarine, oh. which I love i uh, i do love that as well Sebastian, that's so good <laughs> um during a march expedition on the falcor a research vessel operated by the schmidt ocean institute falcor is also a very good name <laughs> um this is potentially the longest organism in the sea the longest previously known marine creature is the lion's mane jellyfish with tentacles up to 120 feet long so this out this is longer than it by about thirty feet, hmm. uh, and by comparison, blue whales, which are still the most massive creatures ever to have lived, are nearly a hundred feet long. So longer than oh. A blue whale. Um, each siphonophore is a colony of individual zooids. Zooids. I don't. I don't know. Uh, which are clusters of cells that clone themselves thousands of times to produce an extended string-like body. So basically, it's like this really long string-like creature. I have. A picture. Don't worry. Okay. Um, uh, the team aboard the Falcor captured 181 hours of footage during its trip, including the images of the spiraling siphonophore. Uh, the Sebastian Otter underwater robot also brought back samples of deep sea creatures living in Australian waters, nearly 15,000 feet down in uh, Cape Range and Cloats Canyons, which I guess are like some features in wow. like the Australian deep sea. 
Um, Part of the goal of the expedition was to create a baseline understanding of the species there so that marine park rangers can know what they are protecting. (laughs) (laughs) Probably helpful. Uh, And in addition to this huge siphonophore, scientists aboard the Falkor identified up to 30 new species on this trip alone. Because the deep sea is still a huge mystery and still one of the coolest things that we just don't know about. So this is what this thing looks like. It's basically this giant spiraling worm-like thing. It's so cool. Isn't that amazing? It's huge. Like, it's just... It's very thin, but it, it's but like it's, it's basically like this giant, thin, spiraling string, just like what in is the its ocean. Purpose in <laughs> life? <laughs> is it? I'm sure it asks itself that every day. <laughs> Why? Why am I? That is wow! I've never seen that before. I oh, I love seeing new I, stuff from deep ocean. It is I so am cool. Obsessed with the with the deep sea. Like I always, I've always found this stuff so fascinating. You also have to check out this weird squid thing. It like Whoa. hugs itself it looks with like its, its fins, and then it lights up on top. Like it's <laughs> it's so cool. It? It, yeah, it looks like it's like. Hugging itself like a right, almost like a, when a vampire like puts a cape exactly. around itself. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it's called a Tanning's octopus squid. So I guess they haven't decided <laughs> which one it is. <laughs> but yeah, there's just wow. Like, uh, the deep oh, sea has there's so, so many cool much creatures. stuff down there that we don't know about. And I just want to go on a quick tangent. One of my favorite things in the newest Animal Crossing game is that there are like multiple deep sea creatures that you can find. I think I found four so far. I don't know if there are more in the game, but they've got like coelacanths and oarfish and barrel eyes and football fish, which are all just like these deep sea creatures that you would never probably actually encounter in real life. And that's why I love video games. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I love finding out more stuff about the deep sea because it's it is just wild how much we don't know i know it really is it's it's crazy so this string thing like do they know about it like in general like is this like a known thing i think thing? it's like, a known species they just I, happened to find one that was like the longest one ever yes seen. they just found a super long one that they, okay i don't think they've ever found anything that long before gotcha i'm just curious and then you know we, we can talk about this after i'm just curious like what does this thing eat? Right, yeah, pulling, what eats it? I'm pulling like, this what up does on Wikipedia like, in real time. <laughs> Apparently, they're carnivores. <laughs> oh, and that they'll like eat Plankton? other. Yeah, I assume other li- like small living things. It says they use jet propulsion to move. I don't even know how that would happen. This it's like, like a, a giant sea worm that yeah. It that sounds uses like there's this is an entire order of species, not just like one species. Oh, okay. It says it contains 175 that we know of. Oh, I mean, wow. who knows how many we don't? That, that's a lot. So, yeah, fascinating. Uh, oh, I love that kind of stuff. Okay, my third story is also in animal news. <laughs> this is from CNN. The headline is, it's a zonkey. Zebra gives birth to rare baby after mating with a donkey. Okay. Now you know what a zonkey is. Yeah, I guess it's, they could have called it a Debra. <laughs> <laughs> a Debra? That's amazing. 
If it's a male, they'll call it Zonky, and if it's a female, they'll call it Deborah. <laughs> That's the new rules. Um, so a zebra at the Chayulu Hills National Park in Kenya was recently found with a peculiar, peculiar-looking foal by her side. It had stripes, but they weren't dark, and they barely covered her body. When caregivers at the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, an animal rescue and rehab organization, examined the foal, they were excited to discover it wasn't a zebra after all, but a zonkey, a zebra-donkey hybrid. I have to stop saying it like it's a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a real thing. I have photos. Um, Apparently, the mama zebra was a stray who had ventured out of a national park, a different national park, and into a community where she made herself at home amongst a local cattle herd. She was later transferred to um, the national park where she currently resides. Since zebra pregnancies last 12 months, the park team was able to figure out that the mama zebra must have been acquainted with a donkey in that cattle herd, like Uh before she was in this park. So, yeah, yeah, 12 months long. That's pretty long. Yep. The zebra and her baby zonkey Uh. are (laughs) thriving in their new habitat. Um, I also learned from this article, side note, that a group of wild zebras is called a zeal of zebras. Did you know that? That's delightful. I did not know that. Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. I support this. So many new words we're learning yeah. today. Well, let's not I'm still not sold on zombie. <laughs> Why don't you like it? You let you'd rather be you'd rather be Deborah. I'd rather be Deborah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's fair. I mean <laughs> Deborah, come on, like why didn't they choose that option? I mean it's easier to <laughs> Can't say. Can't imagine why. <laughs> I hope they name this Zonky Debbie. Yeah, that would be that would be a nice, uh, nice acknowledgement yep. of, of me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Zonky, ready, set, go. go! All right, I found this on the Huffington Post. Police department begs citizens to wear clothes in public. Oh my goodness. Wait, what? Are people not wearing clothes in public? <laughs> Apparently it's a concern. This is the, uh, the t- I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to say Taney Town. <laughs> Taney Town Police Department in Maryland. It's T-A-N-E-Y Town. How would you pronounce that? Taney Town. Tani, it's either Tani or Taney. Which are both delightful. I'm saying delightful <laughs> a lot this episode, but I do not care because it's all true. Uh, it seems that someone is making life hard for the officers there based on a cryptic Facebook post the department posted on Monday, which reads, please remember to put pants on before leaving your house to check your mailbox. You know who you are. This is your final warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, it's not a very long article. The rest of it is just people commenting like, oh, well, one time, why y'all got to be like that? And that kind of thing. Um, mm. People pretending to be funny. Oh, my God. Um, the local ABC affiliate, WMAR, was unable to like, uncover the identity of the allegedly nude suspect when it interviewed Tiny Town residents. <laughs> Tiny Town. <laughs> it just kind of sounds like you're saying Tiny, Tiny Town. Town. <laughs> it really does. Um, but, yeah, they're, uh, I guess... Be on the lookout or maybe try not to be on the lookout for people checking their mail with no pants on uh, <laughs> if you live in, uh, in Taney Town. 
And in general, if you're checking the mail with no pants on, you should probably stop doing that. Yeah, probably put pants on. Yeah. 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 Ideal. Okay, I found something on NBCMontana.com, and it's a bear story, so I wanted to pick yes. this one. Um, the headline is, Ranch Family Helps Rescue Trio of Orphaned Grizzly Bear Cubs. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but they, oh. they're good. Oh, but they're okay. They're okay. The cubs are okay. It's just yeah. the, they're the orphaned. The mom gone. is yeah. gone. Yeah. That, that's why I was saying it was sad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, apparently, I, th- the way this article reads, I'm not going to like read straight from it. Basically, what happened is a mom and grizzly bear ended up in like a encounter with a person and like attacked the person. Oh. And, and so the animal control had to euthanize her basically because mm-hmm. she attacked someone. Right. And they were looking for the, her cubs, but they couldn't find them. So they were just like, okay. Like the community kind of like knew that this had happened, but like no one knew where the cubs were. Like they didn't, cause I guess the protocol is to like find them, like take care of them. Like you give right. them to like a, you know, a facility a or somewhere, yeah. a sanctuary or something. Yeah. So they couldn't find them. So anyway, this couple, like days later is like driving down the road and sees three cubs just like playing on the side of the road. And they basically like kind of stopped and were like watching them, like kind of following them to like make sure they were okay. Cause they, they seemed like they were like by themselves, but they basically kind of put themselves in a little bit of danger to like do that, to like follow them and kind of like monitor. And they called, um, I guess, you, you know, like the local, animal authorities or whatever and to like alert them and stuff and make sure mm-hmm. that they like knew where they were at and like it ended up being the orphaned cubs and then they like got them and now that they're they're safe now and they're like being okay, taken care that's of that's good yeah so it, it like ended good yeah. it's just like <laughs> it's just kind of like an interesting i don't know like it, it's a good store good ending i mean it's just like right. <laughs> just certain things, unfortunate like, circumstances unfortunate circumstances yeah and like i also as much as i'm like supportive of that i think you know I hope these people were being careful when they were like right. doing well, this. Well, I mean, at least they contacted the authorities. They did, and didn't, yeah. Like try to wrangle the bears themselves because that would be really dangerous. Well, they, if, especially they ended if the up, mom was still around. They ended up. They did end up wrangling the bear. Well, they did. They contacted oh. the authorities, and then the bears were like running into the woods or something. And then they're like, "No, we can't let them get away." And they like went out there on their <laughs> after own. After those like, cubs, and they like went after them and like got like got them. Okay. So that part was kind of dangerous to yeah. do, but. Uh, so I wouldn't really recommend that. No. I think they probably should have just called the authorities. As soon and then, as they saw them, probably. And, and then just waited for those people to take care of it. Because, like, you know, you, it could have it been another, yeah, if a it was different another, bears, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I would uh, support that particular part of the action. But, like, I'm glad that they're, they're Everything safe now. worked out in the end. Everything worked out. All good. This happened in Montana. Um, people looking out for the local wildlife. So that's good. That's good. Yep. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and they should all have our lovely new artwork now. Woo! Uh, our friend and colleague, Grace Gongaware. If Woo! you didn't see our social media posts about it, uh, you can see more of her work at gracegongaware.com. And uh, you can follow us on facebook.com for those aforementioned uh, social media posts at uh, facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Trespasser. Zonky. <laughs> what? That's my word. <laughs> but it's zonky. <laughs>